If you don't have players on the field with the right skills, you're going to have a tough time winning. The same goes for your business. Indeed is a fast, simple way to make sure you're hiring MVPs. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. the Detroit Pistons Podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson, and today I'm joined by Omari Sankofa of the Detroit Free Press. What's up, Omari? Man, it's going good, man. Uh, season's done, so uh, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just nice, you know. It's like I, could, I, have, I have my, my nights back watching the Grizzlies later. Uh, life's good, man. But how's everything with you, man? Everything's good with me, man. I am also gonna watch the Grizzlies later. I was gonna ask you about that. Do you still do you still watch the Grizzlies? I saw I saw you got a lot of love from Memphis people when you were like, Oh yeah, this is weird. This is the first time I've seen the Grizzlies in person in like eighteen months. Yeah, no, like I still uh you know, keep in touch with a lot of people down there, uh, you know, on, on Twitter and elsewhere. Um it, like that was weird because it's one of those things you don't even realize until it happens. Uh, you know, my last time watching the Grizzlies in person was, you know, March 2020, and uh, you know, didn't know that that would be my last time watching the Grizzlies in person. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously just a weird year, but uh, you know, I'm still fairly ingrained in the Grizzlies Twitter. Uh, you know, couldn't watch them as much during the season. You know, just because it's you know it's tough, obviously, when you know you have three or four games yourself, you have to watch every night and other stuff going on. But uh, they try to watch them a bit more toward the end, and, uh, and especially you know like this past week, kind of getting ready for the play in. So uh, yeah, I mean they they had a nice little squad. You know, I showed them some love on my ballot. You know, put Desmond Bain on there for the for the all rookie team, second team, and uh, yeah, it's funny. You know, I covered two rebuilds in the span of three years. It's just like <laughs> at some point, one of these teams got to win the playoff game. So maybe <laughs> maybe that that'll be the Grizzlies. I guess we'll see. Well, I mean, like, it's not like you wanted them to win a playoff game this year because then, you know, you're doing Zoom playoffs, and that's even worse than Zoom regular seasons. Yeah, like, I didn't even think about that because obviously the Pistons were going in. But I think uh, I saw Tony, uh, Utah Jazz Tony, uh, mention that it was all Zoom. I'm just like, man, like that. (laughs) That kind of just kills the the playoff atmosphere, not just from a, a fan standpoint, although I guess some arenas will have fans now, but from media too. Um, you know, maybe it's a little bit better when uh, you've been covering that same team and you know those guys, you, you've been in that locker room. But, uh, yeah, like this business team, you know, we really haven't met too many of these guys in, in person. So if they were in the playoffs, it would still be kind of weird, you know. But it is what it is at this point. Uh, hopefully as the playoffs goes on, we'll see the NBA begin to kind of lift some of the restrictions. Because if the New York Knicks could have, I think, 19,000 fans in the arena or 13,000, however many, like I think you could have media in there too. <laughs> so I guess we'll just see. I didn't see the Knicks had that many people in the arena. That's crazy. And I, I was actually going to ask you, though, like, about, like, relationship building and stuff with these Pistons dudes. Because I know uh, a lot of that stuff happens outside of the press conference, right? Like, you, you're around these – if you're traveling with the team under normal circumstances, you're bumping into them in the hallways a lot, right? Like, you're going to shoot around and just, like, shooting the shit with them and stuff. And, like, that's how you build relationships. That's how you get stories. That's how you, uh, you know, just treat them like the coworkers that they are in a weird way. Um, and, like, you you never really got a chance to do that, and they flipped half the team over, like, uh, while you were here. So I was just going to ask you, like, do you, do you have a good sense of, like, the dudes on the team? A little bit, just from Zoom, but you definitely lose a lot. I mean, because you really do get to know the guys really well um, when you are in the locker room and you just kind of see them out and about, uh, you know, I think about, you know, the year and a half, two years I covered the, the Memphis Grizzlies and, and you like know those guys, you know, like you, you really get to know them pretty well. You, you know, you, you meet different people who are with them. Like, you know, I remember night of the draft, uh, you know, you not only beat, you know, John Morant for the first time, but you, you meet, you know, some people in his family. Like I'll see his dad a lot, you know, just flying from city to city. Cause it's, you know, his dad would travel a lot with him. Uh, you know, just, across the the board, you know, you lose all of that 
And it definitely feels like you don't know this Pistons team quite as well, uh, just because almost all of your contact with them, maybe, you know, outside of a phone call here and there, if, you know, you're working on a, a, a story and you got that set up. But, yeah, for the most part, it's just been kind of through the screen and you lose a lot there. So uh, I know myself, everybody else in media, like, you know, we would love, you know, for things to kind of get rolling, uh, get the locker room open back. Uh, I don't know if the players want the locker room open. You know, maybe there'll be some <laughs> resistance there. But, you know, just from a media standpoint, you know, like that stuff just makes the job so much easier. So uh, so, so we'll, we, we will see. You know, I saw Summer League, they're going to have that in August. So I would think hopefully by August, the way things are trending, we would be able to attend that in person. But, you know, again, it's just fingers crossed at this point. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you, like, I don't know how far in advance you plan stuff, but, like, were you planning on going to Summer League if you can? If I can, I'll be there for sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, and even, like, the draft combine, I kind of had a conversation with one of my editors a couple of weeks ago, like, you know, do we know what's going on? Oh, that's on right, because they're actually going to have a combine this year. Right. Yeah, in Chicago, uh, I guess last week of June, which is 30 days from now, so, uh you know, if they are going to have something, I guess we would, maybe we would know by now or maybe we'll find out soon. But Summer League, for sure, I would think that if media is there, I hope that they would have media there. Uh, I'll definitely be at Vegas. Yeah, I think I'm, August feels like long enough to where it's like if you, like things should be back to normal-ish by August. Like I think like, you know, the the mental state of people and stuff is not going to be perfect by August, it might still be, like, weird being in a crowd of people by August, but it'll be, like, quote-unquote safe to be in a crowd of people by August. And yeah. so, like, that, that hopefully leads that to, to like, fans and, and media being able to attend. For sure. You know, like, you know, the league could, you know, mandate media, you know, show proof of vaccination or you yeah, know, maybe true. you could keep a mask mandate. Like, it would definitely be weird because I don't think – I mean, I have not been in, like, a true crowd of people – you know, since really the pandemic hit. Uh, well, I've been to a couple of restaurants. I don't know, fully vaccinated. So that's not quite the same, but still. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, like, well, it's one thing to be, like, at a restaurant or a bar. It's another thing to be, like, yo, I'm going to go to this concert, right? Like, yeah. that's going to be the, like, the big step. Yeah, like, I'm bumping shoulders with, like, 8,000 people right now. <laughs> like, I just, oh, my God. I went, I, like, it seems just funny now, just thinking back then. Like, I went to a Travis Scott concert with one of my buddies back in, like, 2015. And uh, I forget what the place is called. It's, like, not too far from Midtown in Detroit. Like, giant warehouse. Like, just packed, crammed with, like, Maybe five, six thousand people bashing and stuff. Like it's like <laughs> like what what viruses did I come into contact that night that I just had no clue about? Like that's the stuff you don't think about five years ago that you think about now. That's like uh, uh you know, I didn't know viruses could spread like that. But yeah. yeah. But I would hope by August that, you know, we would start lifting a lot of stuff. Uh it's like sixty percent of adults vaccinated at this point, making pretty good progress. So the league's been pretty good about for the most part, I feel like they've been pretty good about you know, trying to keep stuff as safe as possible, you know, without, uh, you know, financially falling apart. So, you know, I would hope once things become safe enough, they would go ahead and lift those restrictions. Oh, for sure. For sure. So the last time we talked, it was December. The Pistons had not played a preseason game, and we talked about LiAngelo Ball and Blake Griffin. So now it's May. They've won 20 games, and I'm going to ask you about, like, Hamadou Diallo and Frank Jackson. How 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 did this year go for the Pistons in your mind? Like, what was this a good year? It was a good year, but it's like the season simultaneously felt long and short because the season just had so many different phases to it. Like, there was, like, that, you know, like, you just think, like, it feels like it's been so long since they parted ways with Blake Griffin, and that was only uh, two months ago. Uh, you know, that just feels like an entirely different team than the team we've watched over the last two months when it's just primarily been the young guys playing. Uh, you know, you mentioned Hamil Diallo and Frank Jackson, uh, two guys who were not even on the on the roster, uh, you know, when we talked in early December. And, you know, now look like two guys who, you know, factored pretty strongly into the future. Uh, you know, Diallo being a guy that Trey Weaver has history with going back to OKC. And even before that, he mentioned on Monday that he had scouted uh, Diallo since he was 16 years old. Um, you know, obviously he was a five-star recruit. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I think it was a good season for the Pistons. Like, if I had to grade it, like, 
even though it's a 21 season, I guess as far as rebuilds go, I give it like a B plus because pretty much every young guy on the roster showed something to make you think that uh, when they do make the playoffs again, and you know, not just you know barely squeaking as an AC, but like make the playoffs, make the playoffs, that a good amount of these young guys could be on that team. Uh, you know, which for a rebuild season, that's everything you you can ask for. Um, you know, when you're talking about a guy like Frank Jackson, who you know first two years in the league, well, first three years in the league, uh, you know, probably was more of an afterthought. You know, he was a guy that came out of Duke and just you know was trying to find his his uh, niche, and then to come in and shoot forty percent from three this season, like you know that like that's just the stuff you can't really predict. <laughs> and, uh, and there's like a lot of examples of that. So um, I, I would give it a B plus. You know, I think for the most part. Uh, every guy showed something, and that's all you can really ask for, especially for a team that doesn't have a great track record for player development. Yeah, even the dudes who you don't necessarily expect to be a long-term part of the team showed stuff, and I think that's a really that's a you you like you put that on the coaching staff, you put some of that on the guys themselves, right? Like you know, you could have like Al Horford situation in OKC where. It, you know, guys are just sitting and they're bored. And, or you could have like a Kevin Love uh, situation in Cleveland where uh, guys aren't playing because they don't want to be there and it's messing with the vibe of the team. And th- none of that happened, right? Like even even the Blake Griffin thing, I think they were the Blake, Blake and Derek were more frustrated with the losing than they were like, you know, mad at the Detroit Pistons for holding them hostage. And, you know, like you said, both those situations got resolved seemingly so so long ago that it doesn't even really feel like that that happened this season. And so like yeah, I think I think it was a good year, but like man, it's it's a weird year. <laughs> uh, it was I mean, it was weird in so many ways. Um I think one of the games Isaiah Stewart had when he just had like, you know, one of those like nineteen point sixteen rebounds hit a three pointer, like you know, you just think in the back of your mind, like if there was a crowd here, they would be going ballistic right now, you know. <laughs> and right. you know, and Isaiah Stewart is going to have some games next season when the crowd is going ballistic because of the way he plays. But uh, it, but it does feel weird. Like that was one thing I never truly got used to was just like the lack of a, a, a crowd. You know, like whether it was saving lead, you know, posterizing somebody, or it's just different plays where ordinarily you would just have this massive reaction. And you're kind of just relying on Twitter for all of your fan feedback because you're not really getting much in the actual arena. Uh, you know, even when they did admit fans and then you had, you know, maybe a thousand fans there, it still wasn't quite the same because uh, it's kind of hard to, you know, scream and show a lot of emotion with a mask on. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I mean, for a, a lot of reasons, it was a weird season. But, you know, I know the front office on some level, they've got to be happy that, you know, they got this 21 season out the way, you know, with no fans in the arena because I'm sure there would have been some boobs some night too if that didn't happen, so. That's true. Okay, so the Sada Baby concert, who is that for? There's no fans. Like, wh- why is he there? Uh, it, it didn't even look like Sada Baby wanted to be there. Like, he was, like, <laughs> lip-syncing every five or six words. Like, I was surprised he was there because there wasn't that many people there. I was like, I mean, okay. Like, I'm it's not like, complaining. I like Sada, but... This isn't much of an audience for him. <laughs> it's, it's a weird time to play this card, right? Like, obviously bring him in next season for sure, like when they're going to be fans. But, like, why, why burn this bridge? Why, why play this card now? And, like, the Martin night, too, which I thought was, like, amazing because they did the, you know, the special intro and everything. Like, it's a oh, really yeah. great idea. But, like, please bring this back next season with, like, fans in the arena. Uh, you know, it's just, like, stuff like that that um, – like, I, I commend them for, you know, trying to make the experience as normal as possible for the people who were there. Um, you know, like, honestly, you kind of forget that there isn't a crowd there just because of the noise. Because presentation-wise, it's the same. But, yeah, they they definitely did some, some big things that, you know, the back of my mind, I'm like, you probably could have saved this for, like, you know, the season opener next season, and this would have been, <laughs> like, a lot more celebratory. Like, I don't know if Sada has performed for a crowd of less than 2,000 people in a, a few years now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just like, as as one of those dudes who's reading about everything on Twitter, just because I'm not co-located, it was like, it was, that was very weird. That was very weird to like see reported and be like, I don't know what this is about. Anyway, you you wrote about, so we had exit interviews. We got Dwayne, we got Troy, we got uh, Jeremy, we got a bunch of the other players. You wrote about Troy Weaver uh, having like a recollection about a similar vibe around this Pistons team than the same vibe as, like, those late 2000s Thunder teams. 
Uh, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was not the case. Like we we don't have Kevin Young, Kevin Durant, and Young Russell Westbrook on this Pistons team. So I'm I'm wondering what like what he sees in uh, in the vibes with this team. But what that was just what stood out to me. Like what else stood out to you about Troy Weaver's like end of season comments? Yeah, uh, he was speaking, you know, he was speaking to just sort of like that sense of optimism, you know, like we had a bad season uh, record-wise, but it wasn't a bad season if you're looking at it purely from a standpoint of, you know, what can we be next season and what can we be the season after? Uh, I think I did put in the story, like after the quote, like the Pistons don't have a Kevin Durant, <laughs> you know, because that's a very uh, – Very big deal. You know, it's a very big, big deal, um, you know, like – do Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq, or Killian get there? I mean, you know, that's that's a, a very ma- massive leap to make, you know, and I don't think they've drafted any of those guys with the expectation that they would be Kevin Durant. Um, maybe from the standpoint of Russell Westbrook, you know, who came in and people thought he couldn't play point guard and he would be a defensive specialist. And, uh, you know, I don't think anybody, you know, when Westbrook came on in 2008 or nine, whatever season it was, I think it was 2008, that he would be uh, – like Oscar Robertson, right? Um, mm-hmm. you know, people so, thought he was Avery Bradley. Yeah, like people thought he was like, you know, like Avery Bradley or, you know, like along those those lines. Um, so from that standpoint, you know, I think if you're projecting, you know, what these guys could be going forward, um, you know, obviously like Sadiq Bay, like if he gets 10 extra games a season in a normal year, he probably sets the, the rookie three-point record. Um, you know, Isaiah Stewart. Uh, you know, looking probably much better than anybody would have expected, even if you didn't think he, he would he would bust. You know, I don't know if people thought he would be uh, switching on the point guards and knocking down threes by the end of the season. Um, yeah, from, from from that standpoint, like, you know, I see where Troy's coming from, just in the sense that we're in good shape. We have a core of guys who work hard, and we feel good that, you know, these guys will continue to get better and that we will be a playoff team sooner rather than later. You know, so I don't think – I don't think the Pistons expect to jump from 23 wins to 50 wins, which is what OKC did during Trey Weaver's first two seasons. But uh, I don't think, you know, them sneaking into the playoffs next season or even the play-in game is uh, completely out of the question, you know, especially if they get a top-four pick this summer. So uh, from that standpoint, you know, I think that optimism is, is, is warranted, you know, even though they're still maybe slightly behind OKC was, you know, 13 years ago as far as having the Kevin Durant. Yeah, no, that makes sense. What was what was your favorite Troy Weaver quote this season? Because he gave us some good ones. Oh, my favorite Troy Weaver quote. Um, probably, uh, you know, my clip will be empty. I think it's the best one. <laughs> you know, just in, just in relation to his, his roster building. My clip will be empty. Like, you don't hear GMs talk about the, the, the clip too often. Like, that, I think that's my number one. Or at least that's the one that came off the top of my head. There's a couple other ones that I thought were hilarious, but uh, but I would, you know, like if I if I didn't cover the the, the team and I was just a casual Detroiter, and somebody came out with a my clip will be empty T-shirt, I'd probably wear that T-shirt. So that's my number one. <laughs> but what about you though? Because there's like three or four that could probably contend for that spot. So of course my clip will be empty was definitely at the top of the list. I love my clip will be empty because it doesn't necessarily mean he like hit it, hit anything, but like he's gonna get these shots off, right? I appreciate right. that. Uh, the the one he dropped at the exit interview was like you got to fight for your right to party if you want to be a good player. I was yeah. like oh like okay that's a good one we we could put that one in in the lexicon. Uh, his whole speech about how much he liked uh, like centers and big dudes. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good. That was like, good because that when it became clear that Trey Weaver reads was written about him, which mm-hmm. I think a lot of people do, obviously, but uh, just that he was aware that that kind of became like a meme on NBA Twitter. I thought just really made that funny to me because <laughs> you don't, you know, you don't, you don't always see guys acknowledge that people were joking about him on Twitter. <laughs> so you know, Trey was a pretty, uh, you know, like at least in interviews, you know, he has a very kind of serious disposition. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that was really funny. Yeah, it was that was fascinating to me because, like, honestly, we didn't really know a whole lot about Troy coming into this job, right? Like about Troy the Troy the person, not Troy the GM, uh, to you know steal another Troy Weaver ism. You know, I was looking for like the big Troy Weaver profile because like he had been rumored to be like a GM in waiting for a long time, so I figured like somebody from like 
you know, GQ or ESPN, like, sat down with this dude and was like, let's see what he's about. And as far as I could tell, it was like, that never happened. So he's just like, he's just this mystery man, uh, as far as, like, me and other fans know. And then we come out, and he's, like, a very serious dude. With Like, we see what he's about with the drafting and restructuring the team really quickly. But then, like, as he gets more comfortable, he's like, this is a pretty funny dude. He yeah. actually, like, <laughs> and he actually reads Twitter, which is, like, surprising, right? I I don't think you – it's like, I don't think every NBA GM reads Twitter, right? And so it was nice to see more of Troy Weaver's personality as the season went along, for sure. Definitely. And one thing I learned on, the, on this job, too, is that even if front office people don't have, like uh, – public accounts on Twitter, like a lot of them one way or another are still kind of, you know, following the posts of whatever's being said. Uh, you know, like whether, like, I don't know if that's just having a, a burner or whatever it may be. But yeah, the Jerry Colangelo burner train. Yeah. Yeah. But more or less, they usually know what's going on. So, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought Troy showed a lot of personality with that for sure. Uh, also just because, you know, like that was, their off season was so funny uh, just because they did acquire so many centers, so for him to actually lean into it and, uh, you know, just acknowledge, like, yeah, I know y'all are joking about me. You know, this <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay, no, this is great. This is great. Yeah. I mean, like, it might not be funny if he restructures the entire team again this offseason, but still, like, I'm, I'm glad he's got these jokes. Uh, so the other thing, Dwayne Casey, he got an extension fairly recently. Um, you you weren't around for like the previous Dwayne Casey led Pistons, so were were you surprised that like this version of Dwayne Casey coaching young guys instead of coaching vets wanted the extension and, and got the extension? It didn't surprise me, uh, you know, because just from talking to Dwayne this season, I definitely got the sense that like despite the losses, on some level, he was enjoying this. Um, you know, I think one. It's just a different environment to go from, you know, having to, you know, coach to make the playoffs with a roster that isn't necessarily equipped to win a playoff game and also was just battered by injuries uh, to go to a situation where you have a new GM, um, a new GM who is a, a big fan of you and a situation that's low stakes. And you also have rookies that, you know, by all accounts come in and work hard every day. And, you know, it's just a very easy group to coach. Uh, he said that he was re-energized uh, by the season on Monday. And, and that kind of tracked with just a lot of what he said this season. Um, you know, I think he really enjoys this group. Um, you know, he's commended Tom Gores for embracing the rebuild and, like, you know, this just complete refresh of what it was last year. Uh, you know, he said that it was needed, uh, which, you know, I think a lot of fans were thinking before the coach to say that too. You know, obviously that, you know, that, that kind of tells you where the, the the team was at this time last yeah. year, you know, coming off of a season that was just completely destroyed by injuries. Uh, so it's a really good situation for Dwayne. Um, you know, like this is a really good group of guys. Like, you know, you've got, you know, vets are easy to work with. You've got a crew of young guys who, you know, just look like they have a ton of potential. Uh, I think it's pretty easy to see why Dwayne Casey would be re-energized by this. Um, you know, especially just looking at his last three years, right? You know, you, you have a really good Toronto team and, uh, you know, you're you're fired, you know, and then, you know, you end up coaching the Pistons and, you know, you don't win a playoff game and then you have a season derailed by injuries. Uh, so there's a clear direction now for the Pistons. And I think, it, you know, for Dwayne Casey, you can look at the next four years and say, this will be a good place to be, you know, because I have the support and and these guys want, want to work. Uh, you know, he's compared it to pretty, like early on when he was coaching Toronto and you had, you know, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan getting better every year. So I think this is a situation Dwayne likes. And, uh, no, it didn't really surprise me that he signed that one-year extension. Uh, it seems like he's really enjoying himself. All right. That that makes sense. That tracks. I That that Raptors situation is definitely, like, closer to the spectrum of, like, what's going to happen during this rebuild than those, uh, those early 2000s or uh, late 2000s thunder. I appreciated Dwayne, like, being a little bit more realistic in his assessment of, like, where, where these young dudes could potentially end up being. But, yeah, it was uh, – I, I, you know, I'm not as close to you as the team. I, I did feel like there were times when Casey was, like, frustrated with this team uh, throughout the year, but it was, like, much fewer and farther between than I think it's been in the past. I think, like, having the young dudes around to teach, like, probably helps in that regard. 
And something you said that I hadn't really even thought about um, until now was about the vets, right? The having vets in the locker room uh, who like having good vets, right? Again, going back to like the Kevin loves of the world who don't necessarily want to partake in a rebuild, having players who do and having those guys be an influence in the locker room to your young players probably helps a lot from the mentality of like a coach who's just like trying to out there trying to help guys get better and uh, you know, help, young guys grow in their games. And so, yeah, I could see I could see why that would make sense. I wondered, because, you know, Dwayne's 64, and he's not going to coach forever. I, I wondered, right, if he wanted to win more in his last, in what will what will likely be his last NBA stop. I don't want to, I don't want to, like, throw dirt on Dwayne Casey's career uh, and put him in the ground. But, like, I, you know, I don't know if he wants to coach until he's 70 someplace else. But uh, I did think it was it was interesting that um, you know the the season did energize him, as you said, and that the uh, front office saw that energy and, and decided to reward it. For sure, and I think you know just in general, uh, you know something Dwayne's talked about as well. It's just you know the NBA is just so unpredictable that you know you could get a different situation and it still may not turn out the way you want. So. Um, you know, when you have an owner, you know, who believes in you, you have a GM that believes in you, and you have a team that, you know, has a clear upward pr- trajectory, um, you know, that's a, that's a better situation than a lot of coaches. Uh, you know, the way didn't have to coach for his job this season, you know, beyond getting these young guys ready to play. And that clearly happened. You know, I mean, even even Servitas at the end, you know, he had that 16-point uh, first quarter, I mean, or first half, it might have cracked 20 points had he not had the, uh, you know, the, the injury. But um, yeah, you know, I think when you just look at the, the season as a whole, um, you know, when you have a front office that supports you, an owner that supports you, and a, a team that's bought into what you're coaching, uh, you know, that's, <laughs> as, as a coach, I think that's all you, you could ask for. So, uh, you know, I think Dwayne sees that. You know, you have the Motor City Crews coming this fall. Uh, you know, so, you know, clearly, you know, Tom Gores is continuing to invest in the team. Um, you know, of course, Dwayne Casey at the Raptors 905 when he was in Toronto. So, you know, it's a situation that he's been in before, he's familiar with, and I just think he's comfortable. How are you guys going to handle the cruise? And by you guys, I mean, like, the free press. How are you guys going to handle the cruise next year? We will you know? see. Um, I would imagine that I would, you know, certainly, uh, you know, cover it the same way I cover the, the Pistons, you know, especially when guys get assigned down there. Uh, you know, but, but but we'll see. Um, we haven't had too many conversations about it yet, but I'm sure as we get through the summer, we'll begin to kind of, you know, look more seriously at it and look at exactly how we want to incorporate that coverage. Um, you know, I can see myself, you know, attending games here and there, you know, of course, the season opener. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll just see. Um, you know, of course, I didn't cover the uh, Pistons when they were going back and forth from, from Grand Rapids, but when I was in yeah, it makes logistically it makes a lot more sense to cover the the Motor City Cruise a little bit more closely than the Grand Rapids Drive. Yeah, like the new like where the City Cruise Arena is literally like a mile south of my apartment. It's at so. Wayne State, right? Yeah. So or, or it's at Oakland. It's uh, Wayne State. So okay. we're going to be right off of uh right off of war. Um so for me personally since I'm so close I really have no excuse either way. But um yeah, <laughs> but, 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 but I think we have some cruise coverage for sure. We're just not sure the full extent. All right. Now, I'll be looking forward to that. I'll be curious about that because I know, like, when I come back, it's like if you gave me the choice between, like, I get to go to a Pistons game with, like, one other person and, like, you know, X amount of money for good seats, for food, blah, blah, blah. Or it's like, or I could take, like, you know, literally, like, six people to a cruise game for, you know, the same price. It's like, okay, I, I know which one I'm doing. <laughs> Like I'm go, I'm going to I'm going to go see the cruise and uh, you know enjoy these young kids run up and down the court and dunk basketball yeah, probably sure. worse but yeah I mean if you just like basketball then I mean I, I could definitely imagine them getting pretty good crowds you know especially when you look at you know I think Seku could spend a good amount of time down there uh, you know Saban Lee depending on their point guard rotation uh, Servetus you know they have three second round picks this summer and I'm sure you know I don't think they're going to add three rookies but I'm sure one of those guys could become a, a are we saying cruiser? Like a Z League cruiser? Like if you play for the cruise or a cruiser? Uh, <laughs> you know, I guess we'll I figure that out. But I'll Yeah, just, we'll figure that out. <laughs> I like that, though. Cruiser sounds good. Yeah, cruiser. Just came, came to mind. I'm like, I don't know what you call somebody who plays for the cruise, but I guess they'll be a cruiser. So, um, 
Yeah, you know, so you'll have some young guys to kind of factor into the future plans for the Pistons, which, you know, if you're a Pistons fan, I think that's a pretty easy sell. No, for sure. So in the, in the exit interviews, Troy Weaver talked a lot about how they felt like a lot of their development was going to come internally, right? They, they weren't necessarily looking to make, like, a huge free agency splash uh, this offseason. They were just going to look to develop the guys that they had. So with that in mind, I'm going to play a little game with you. It's called Stay or Go. I'm going to list some dudes. You're going to tell me if they're going to be on the Pistons next year. Sound good? All right, let's do it. All right. First dude, Dennis Smith Jr. Go. Go. It's just tough to see. Yeah, it's it's just tough to see. Well, I think he really got screwed by injuries. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. he had had a triple-double. I think he really showed some classes of what he could do, uh, you know, while he played. But the reality is that I think he only played 20 games, like, no more than, like, 22 after the, the trade. And uh, he just missed so much time down the stretch. We barely saw him in April. Uh, didn't see him at all in, in May. Uh, that was a time period for him where, you know, he really kind of could have showed what he could do, you know, especially with Killian Hayes and, and out of their rotation, uh, you know, Corey Joseph resting. Like, I just think that really – like, it, you know, that, I, I just think the timing of that just didn't really work in his favor. Uh, you know, I, I, I won't say for a fact that he won't be back. But when you just look at the priority yeah. for the Pistons, it just doesn't seem like he would be as high priority as some of the other guys. No, that that makes sense. You don't you don't have to. I mean, like you know, you don't have to justify it to me. But uh, I am, you know, I am curious. Oh, Corey Joseph. Hmm. You know, I don't think he comes back for the full amount, but I wouldn't be shocked if they lock him into like maybe a slightly cheaper deal. Ah. I'm going to say go, uh, you know, just because, you know, he only has like 2.4 million of his 12.6 guaranteed. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I could easily see the Pistons just saying, you know, we can get a much cheap, cheaper point guard. You know, we're just going to, uh, you know, save this 10.2 million. Uh, I'm going to say go, but uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if he came back on a, a cheaper deal and they still just didn't pick up that option. But uh, yeah, 12 million is a lot for uh, a guy who's. Uh, a backup point guard on a better version of this team. That's a lot of that's a lot of money. Yeah, Corey Joseph. It's funny. Like I feel like a lot of Pistons fans don't like Corey Joseph, but if they were trying to win games this year, people would have loved Corey Joseph because he plays hard. <laughs> so if if there would have been fans in the arena, I feel like he would have gotten more love because fans in the arena want to see wins, right? Right. But like us on Twitter, we're like, no, lose. And Corey is messing up the losing, so like you got to go. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. If if you're a fan and you paid twenty five bucks to park, you know, you spent thirty bucks on drinks before the game, you know, you spent seventy on, on the ticket, like you're definitely gonna root for Corey Joseph. So uh, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So I can see him being like if he were to come back, I can see him being a fan favorite. But for the sake of the exercise, go. All right, I got you, I got you. Wayne Ellington. Ooh, that's in the same category as Corey Joseph. Uh, the Pistons would, I think the Pistons would be open to a reunion with Wayne just because he was great this season. And I mean, he shot the ball really well. Um, I could also see Wayne saying, you know, I'm 33 years old and, uh, you know, it's time for me to go somewhere where I can win. And uh just comes down to it. I'm, I'm going to say go because he's an unrestricted free agent and, you know, ultimately the, the ball is in his court. Uh, but he's sort of in the same position as Corey where, you know, he's a good vet. Uh, obviously, he has a big fan in Dwayne Casey. Um, it wouldn't be shocked if he's still here next season. All right. Uh, Hami Diallo. Stay. Uh, Pistons gave up Sevilla in the second-round pick to get him. Uh, Troy more or less said verbatim on Monday that he's a big part of the plan. And, and I mean, he really did show a lot over the last two weeks, so uh, that's going to be a stay. Have you ever seen a GM come out and say, like, for a restricted free agent, like, oh, yeah, we're going to re-sign that guy. I don't really care what it takes. For, <laughs> for, uh, for a guy, like, I like Hami, but Hami is not like we have to extend Jaron Jackson Jr. like when his rookie deal is up, right? Like, it was, it felt a little weird to me that Troy was, like, losing any semblance of, like, leverage in the negotiation with comments like that. Yeah, and I was the one who, like, asked Trey that, like, question, which I don't know if I put him on, on, on the spot at all. But I was curious because he gave up a second-round pick to get Hami. Obviously, you know, should defer agent this summer, so that's pretty, you know, that seems to be a pretty strong tell that you want this guy to stick around. But, uh, yeah, no, like, I like usually with free agents, uh, restricted or unrestricted GMs are just kind of like, oh, you know, we'll see. You know, we like him, but we'll see, yada, yada. Uh, you know, I thought Trey gave a pretty strong endorsement that, um, 
they they do see Hami as being in in the plans. Uh, you know, we'll have to see what the money looks like. You know, because I do think that when Hami scored thirty five, uh, you know, maybe some people around the league were like, okay, maybe this kid's got a you know an extra gear to his game. Uh, I mean, six five, long wingspan. You know, obviously super good athlete. He seems like a guy that you know you only need one team to say, okay, if this guy could be a starter. You know, we're going to offer him. Something the Pistons might not match, so we'll we'll see. But just because it seems like the Pistons really want him, I'm just going to go with stay because uh, uh, it just seems like the goal right now is just retaining as much of the core as possible. No, I I, I see that too. Uh, Jaleel Okafor. Yeah, you know, so he is, he still has a year on his deal. Yeah, he technically has a year on his deal, right? But it's a. Yeah. Uh, Slightly over the the minimum, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I would say I would say go. Um, you know, like again, like you know, it costs it costs them not, not, nothing, obviously, to bring them back. But you know, if you are packaging a, a trade, you know, he just seems like a guy that you may use to make salaries match. Uh, and you know, and just looking at the the center ro- rotation too, you know, you have you know Mason Plumlee, you have Isaiah Stewart. Uh, you know, if they you know, there's a very good center at the top of the lottery that, you know, if, if he's available, you know, I'm sure there's a good chance he'll, he'll become a piston. So, uh, yeah, just ro- rotation-wise, Jaleel does not strike me as a guy that uh, is, like, a, a key part of the plan going forward. You know, he he may be back, but just looking at sort, sort of the math and way things could go down, I can see him being moved to. Yeah, it was, it was tough for Jaleel, like, when he got hurt, basically as soon as the season started. And then Isaiah Stewart was much, much better than we expected right away. It was like that was kind of a wrap on, on his Pistons tenure. And I felt kind of bad for him, right? Like, you you read about Jaleel. Jaleel's been through a lot in the NBA. So it was like, I, feel, I kind of feel for that dude. Uh, he has. I mean, um, to be a second-round pick, and, you know, when he was in Philly, like he had some knee injuries that, you know, I think really kind of slowed him down a bit. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it, re- it really has been unfortunate. And, uh, yeah, and, and it's just tough that he missed, you know, two or three months this year with, with knee surgery as well. Uh, Dwayne even mentioned the other week that even at the end of the season, he wasn't quite 100% because he was still just kind of getting his rhythm back. So, uh, you know, I guess in a way this is a big offseason for him too, you know, to get all the way healthy and, uh, you know, so that he, he could still be a difference maker. But, um, yeah, I mean, he, he went down and I cleared the way for Isaiah Stewart, and Isaiah Stewart just kind of took that, that torch and ran with it. So, uh, yeah, for sure. All right, last dude, Frank Jackson. Stay, stay. Forty percent shooter, you know, like a guy that can just come off the bench and give you instant offense. Uh, yeah, Pistons should, should keep him for sure. Uh, you know, remains to be seen what his contract looks like, but yeah, forty percent shooter. Yeah, you you you, you got to keep him, and uh, and I think the Pistons will, will try to for sure. So that's a stay. All right, all right. So you got. You you listed your NBA uh, ballot on Twitter. Did how does how does the ballot work? Not like not like how does it like work the website you where you. I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business and it's customized to your needs you get a great looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales and i'm speaking about this from experience i'm really passionate about bass fishing and a little over five years ago i started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend aaron called woo tungsten actually it's pronounced woo tungsten w-o-o exclamation mark because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass and it was a no-brainer to do this on shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way from creating product listings to making discount codes to managing shipments in fact if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on shopify go to wootungsten.com and you can see and it's No wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is possibility powered 
by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. Vote like I, I think I remember asking Rod this. Like you guys rotate between the the three beat writers about like who gets to vote, and this year it was it was your turn. But like you, how did you get to be in the rotation if like this is your first year? Yeah, um, I'm not completely sure how the process works. Like Rod, I mentioned that to me too, which you know I guess that checks out. Um, when I was in, in Memphis with the Athletic, uh, I don't think I, I didn't vote either year. Uh, under the commercial appeal, uh, you know, which is their main newspaper, uh, had a vote one of the years I was there. Um, but well, actually, now that I think about it, I left before the second award season even even began. So really, that was only one award cycle I was there for, which I didn't get. Uh, but you know, I did get it this time around. Uh, you know, I know Ross voted in the past, so it sounds like they just try to get one person from each market. And uh, I got an email from the NBA uh, maybe three weeks ago. Uh, or two weeks ago, asking if I wanted to participate, and I was like, "Of course, please count me in." And uh, I got the ballot a couple of days later, and uh, filled it out Monday night, uh, the day after the season ended. So, uh, yeah, that was fun. You know, I don't think I really had it on my mind whether or not I would get the vote, just because I didn't in Memphis. But uh, to be able to submit that ballot, I mean, yeah, no, that did was you, awesome. Did you get the email? And you're like, "Oh crap, I got to start cramming." This is a big <laughs> <laughs> or you one of those dudes is just like, I'm, I'm going to just fill this out with, like, what I saw this season. Uh, you know, it's like, all right, let's see what Composo did with Denver, you know. It's definitely some gaps you have to fill in. So, uh, yeah, you know, de- definitely, you know, some games you're watching and, you know, some stats you're looking at, you know, just to make sure you could sub- submit as sound proof of ballot as possible. Uh there's always one guy on Twitter every year that posts their ballot and just gets absolutely destroyed. Like, I remember last year somebody put Andre Drummond on all defense and the dude just got ratioed to hell. And I was just like, yeah, I remember, remember that. Me. That is not going to be me. <laughs> so definitely a lot of research <laughs> over the last couple of weeks to make sure I got that right. All right. So, no, but now I'm going to get you flamed on Twitter, though, because you didn't have Isaiah Stewart and Sadiq Bay on your first team all rookie team. <laughs> Did not what have happened? the both first team. You know what? I had Sadiq first team, which is more than a lot of people. So if anything, I could get a pat on the back. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was funny because I, I, I put that, that, that on there. I, I thought full Pistols fans were going to give me grief for that. Like, why would you not put Isaiah Stewart first team, yada, yada? And I was just like, I mean, when you, when you look across all of the rookies, I think there's a lot of good rookies this year. Like, I think, you know, there was three rookie teams. You know, I think you probably could have supported three because I think there were a lot of guys who were just – Outside of LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards and Halliburton, I think there were probably like eight or nine guys who were pretty firmly in like that that second tier. Like even like an RJ Hampton got, you know, rookie of the month with uh, Orlando once he started getting minutes. I mean, you know, I think his rookie class overall was pretty talented. But, uh, you know, some of them I was like, I can't put Isaiah Stewart as a big man my first team. No, I just look like a homer. No, I don't look like a homer. So, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to put Sadiq first team and Isaiah Stewart second team. Uh, you know, if people get mad at me, then it is what it is. People were mad at I, – I had, like, Houston fans mad at me because I put Jason Tate in my second team. And uh, I was just like, I don't know how to explain that, like, a lot of these guys are in the same tier, right? Like, some are going to be first just because of the way it splits down. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, Tate's going to be first and second for a lot of people. I think Sadiq will be on some first-team ballots and a lot of second-team ballots. Uh, there's always some bias. I think some of it just comes down to who you kind of watch. Um, you know, I know people were Pistons fans were upset at Zach Lowe because he had Desmond Bain first team over Sadiq Bay, but the Grizzlies are in the playoffs, so he probably watched Bain a lot more than Sadiq. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I don't think they're getting contract bonuses for being on the first or second team anyway, so it kind of is what it is. I mean, like, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised, right? Because I remember, like, that stuff matters to the dudes, and I know it matters to the dudes because their agents complain about it. Because I remember the agent furor that resulted uh, that came up when somebody somebody got left off uh the rising stars team and uh somebody's agent was like this is a disgrace like how like they did it was like how do you not like put my guy on the rising stars team it's like bro like it's the rising stars team like i watched like half of that game every single year before like 
switching to switching to like HBO to finish out the night. Like no one pays attention, but like it matters to these dudes. So I I understand like why it would matter to to the fans as well. But like yeah, man, I'm I'm I, I understand like being a little bit in a rock and a hard place too, like being a homer and like uh you know being the dude who gets ratioed by Pistons Twitter. But yeah, I, I think you made the right call for for what it's worth. You listen to your gut, and that that's all that matters, really. For sure. If Isaiah Stewart's entire season looks like his last two months, oh yeah, probably first team. But I think because Stewart for him it was just more of a slow progression to becoming what he was at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, to me he just struck me as more of a second team guy. Like if he was slashing threes from game one, I think it would he would have had a really strong case for that first team for sure. But. uh you know, but again, I feel like this rookie season, like you had, you know, three guys who were a tier above the rest, and then it's just, you know, in ver- in various cases, like everybody else. Uh, you know, I know, I think one of the Cleveland writers put uh, Isaac Okoro on his second team, uh, you know, which you could say he's a homer, but Okoro also was a, a pre- pretty solid rookie, you know. So it's just there's always going to be some personal bias, but, you know, at the same time, uh, you have to put some guys in the first team. You have to put some on the second team. Like, if you had a ranking, right, and you just had a different level of points associated with each ranking, uh, maybe you would avoid some of that because it's like, well, you know, I, just, I didn't just leave a curl off of either team. You know, I just ranked him 11th, and he still got points from being a, mm-hmm. a 11th. So, uh, yeah, on, on some level, I just think agents should not get mad at the player but the game because the game requires you to make some tough decisions. <laughs> I feel that. Yeah. All right, the the only other thing with the awards I was going to ask you about, and it's not Pistons related, but I don't care. You had Julius Randle fifth on your MVP ballot. Fifth Julius Randle. Julius Randle. Over yeah. like, over like Dame. Nobody thought the Knicks were going to win forty one games this season. Like people thought they were going to win half of that, and that is because of Tibbs, and that is because of Julius Randle. Um, you know, I think when you have a team that exceeds expectations to that extent, uh, you know, you have to reward that in, on, on some level. You know, I had Tibbs, number one on my on uh, my coach of the year vote uh, because he just completely transformed that, that Knicks team, especially defensively. You know, I don't think anybody had them. Uh, I mean, to be a, a four seed in, in the East, like, when most people probably didn't think they were going to win 25 games, it's just – an insane turnaround in such a short amount of time. Uh, you know, Randall made a huge leap forward this season, uh, became an elite three-point shooter after, you know, barely being league average, if that, you know, his first five or six seasons. Uh, just he's always been a really good playmaking forward. Uh, but just I thought this season was just like the, the full package for him. Uh, you know, he's the face of that Knicks team that exceeded expectations. And, uh, you know, and I guess purely just by the definition of MVP, uh, he kind of got the same bump that I gave Steph, whereas, you know, what is this team if we remove you from it? Um, you know, so the Knicks, they just surpass expectations so much that Randall just felt like a good pick at five for me. Uh, I know some people. That's what, that's what the most improved player is for. Well, he was number one on that. You gave too. Julius Randall. <laughs> he was on that too. You know what? If the Knicks won like 10 fewer games, he wouldn't have been on my MVP. But like when you're a playoff team and you improve that substantially, uh, you get a little love on 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 both. Uh, it was between him and, and Chris Paul for that fifth spot, and there's a good argument for Chris Paul too. But for me, I gave Randall Randall the uh, not. Okay, you you heard it here first, guys. Omari Sankofa, New York uh, tool of the New York media. <laughs> uh, I have people in New York, but hey, you know, <laughs> I gotta you know I gotta give credit where credit's due. So so when so are you gonna do start doing like draft research like when do you start uh, the whole like draft process? I started a little bit uh, toward it like the end of the season, but uh, you know this week I've just kind of begun diving more into like you know outside of like that top you know three or four. Uh, mm-hmm. You know I think for the most part a lot of people were at this point are pretty familiar with you know Cade Cunningham and uh, the top, but I've definitely been looking more at Evan Mobley. Um, you know, a little bit more at, you know, Jalen Green. Uh, you know, Suggs, like, not as much just from watching college basketball and seeing that Gonzaga run. You know, you feel like I have a pretty good grasp on him. But uh, Arlie didn't really get to see as much really ignite as I wanted. So definitely looking at Green and Kaminga a lot more over the last week or so. 
Yeah, the the Ignite games were on at very inconvenient times if you, like, wanted to watch the like, sit down and catch them. They were on at, like, 2.30 in the afternoon a lot for, for reasons I don't fully understand from, like, an NBA advertising perspective. But, but yeah. Do you... Do you get a sense of do you get a sense of who the the team likes, or is it a little too early for that? A little early. Uh, I have a sense to an extent on certain guys, but not to the point to where I want to uh, start unveiling un- un- too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the only thing I will say, and I bring it up because I noticed you and a couple other people talking about it on Twitter, uh, like the other week, is when it comes to Evan Mobley. Uh, you know, just knowing Troy, knowing he likes centers, like, you know, I would think that he would probably be pretty high on the Detroit's draft board, and I would encourage Pistons fans to warm up to the idea of Evan Mobley because for some reason there seems to be a lot of anti-Mobley sentiment on certain corners of Pistons, Twitter, or Reddit, or wherever, and that kind of confuses me because I think, you know, he's a pretty clear uh, number two or three in this draft. So that's, that's that's one thing I will say. You know, if you don't like Evan Lowley, I would encourage you to look into him a little bit more because he's not only the best center in this draft, but he would have been the best center in last year's draft too. And, uh, you know, like we said earlier in the pod, Trey Weaver obviously likes centers a lot. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I would, you know, we don't know where that pick's going to fall, but I would encourage you to move up to that a little bit. Who are you uh, watching in the playoffs? Uh, the are, are, you, are you watching Memphis tonight? I am watching Memphis tonight. It's tough. I have a meeting at like 7, so I'm going to miss probably the first quarter. But I am going to watch Memphis tonight, uh, you know, just because you know, that's like the team I covered. You know, I still know a lot of people on the team down there. And uh, and that's a really fun team. Like, I think Ja, not even just because I covered them, I genuinely think Ja is one of the most fun players to watch in the entire NBA. Uh, you know, we've just seen very few players with his level of passing, who are also his level of athlete. You know, usually mm-hmm. one, one or the other, and he does both. So uh, I'll be watching a, a, a lot of Grizzlies. Uh, I'll be watching Phoenix just because I think that's a fun team, too. I've always liked Chris Paul. He's been one of my favorite players to watch. Uh, probably those, those two two teams. Uh, beyond that, it's just kind of like, you know, whatever the most interesting game is. But uh, the Grizzlies and, and, and Phoenix for sure. What about you? Uh, I'll probably be watching Portland. Uh, it was good to dodge the Portland Clippers like first round series because I would have been pretty conflicted. But um, with Portland Denver, I feel very strongly. That's like I'm, I'll be pulling for Portland. I love Dame. I'll be like we we talked about Julius Randle a bunch, and I ribbed you about it. But I will be really interested to watch that uh, Hawks Knicks series, if only because like both of those teams are like you know no one expected that to be the four or five coming into this year, and because it's a series between those two teams, one of them is making it to the second round of the playoffs, which is also, like, definitely not something I would have said about either of those teams at the beginning of this year. And so the the ramifications of that, I think, are going to be really interesting. Like, the whoever wins that series might be convinced that they're a little bit closer than perhaps they actually are. And so I want to see, like, how, how that ripple effect Kind of impacts them, so that that's the that's the season that's the series I'll be paying the most attention to in the East, at least. Yeah, they're also just two very different teams. So yeah, uh, very yeah. much. Yeah. So I think that'll just be fun from the standpoint of, uh, yeah, I mean, like stylistically, just on opposite ends. Uh, yeah, I mean, Trey, Trey Young obviously is a guy who's always fun to watch too, and uh, you know, like of course I like Randall looking at my ballot. So yeah, that's definitely one that's up there for me as well. Yeah, I was uh, I was joking on the other podcast. I was like the the Knicks play very like Detroit Pistons esque, right? Like they play really hard, really physically on defense. They make you work on every possession, and then they have like two dudes who can score the basketball. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just, yeah, you look at that team and uh, yeah, I mean you just kind of wonder where they would be without Randall and and Derrick Rose for sure. And shout out to Derrick Rose, by the way. I don't think anyone expected he would be as good with New York as he's been. Um, you know, it makes a lot more sense why he, you know, requested to play for uh, Tibbs now in that team because it seems like their fortunes really begin to change when he got there. But, um, yeah, like, I just think Randall's fun to watch. Like, you know, he came out of, uh, you know, the draft as just sort of a really strong, uh, just kind of mobile guy who could, you know, like post up. Uh, you know, he had his, his mid-range jumper pass really well. I just think he's really unique. You know, he, he has like a throwback game, but also like a lot of modern elements to it that I just think makes him really unique to watch. 
Yeah, he's got he's got like a throwback frame, right? Like he looks like not out of place in like the '90s in the NBA, but he's shooting 42% from three. So it's like on on like good volume. So it's like this it's this nice blend between like old school and, and new school. So like I get it, but but still, man, fifth in MVP voting. I don't know about that one. Last question: How many games are our Michigan State Spartans going to win in football this season? Whew, I'm reluctant to get my hopes up because the last few years for Michigan State uh, have not been good. This have not been good at all. And, of course, last season was just a bit of a mess with, you know, new coach and COVID and just everything else. Hey, beat Michigan. Uh, they did beat Michigan, so I guess it was still a good season. Um, that's tough. I, I mean, I could see them winning. I think maybe six, seven wins would be – I would consider that to be a pretty solid season for them. Um, I think anytime you have a new regime come in, it's, there's like this sort of transitionary period of, you know, everybody just kind of figuring their, their, their bearings out. Uh, you know, I think they've been re- recruiting pretty well. Uh, you know, like I definitely like their offseason. Uh, you know, they just added another transfer to, to today. Uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with six, seven wins. I think if they want seven wins, I'll be pretty happy with the, the season. And I mostly just want them to see them get this uh, quarterback situation settled because that's that's been a mess. Seems like this is kind of cook. So, <laughs> so uh, that's them to reckon. I just want to see just substantial progress from like the the, the skill side. You know, can we get a, a, a consistent quarterback? Like, can we get uh, every down running back again? You know, that's been kind of shaky since you know Jeremy Langford. It seems like. Uh, yeah. You know, I'll be looking at the finer details a bit more, but I'll be very happy with a seven win season for sure. Yeah, I mean, I like our wide receiver core, which made it so frustrating that. It seemed like we got such inconsistent play at quarterback. I still don't know if we have consistent play at quarterback. The the transfer dude they brought in from Temple is like he's like a you know a fifth year senior or whatever. But like I don't know if he's any good. He played at Temple, so I will see. I think I'm slightly less optimistic than you. I think like five wins probably be probably where we end up. And five wins and you beat Michigan again, like sure I'll take it. Whatever you got. Yeah, I would I would take that for sure. And I got to get down to a game this uh, fall because I was looking forward to like when I moved back. You know, it's like man, I could I could go see Michigan State football, basketball, all that. Uh, didn't quite materialize, but uh, yeah, I, I I agree. You know, I'm curious to see how Anthony Russo looks. Uh, you know, since you know I attended Michigan State, you know, my freshman year was in 2012. Uh, it doesn't look like they've had any luck with any of the transfers. But you know, I'm I'm not I'm gonna try not to let. You know, D'Antonio Shadow uh, hang over Mel Tucker too much. You know, it's a, a, a new coach, and and uh, you know we'll we'll see where he comes as far as the talent development. But constantly optimistic. You know, seven might be a bit high, but you yeah. uh, know, but I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility either. I like what Tucker has done so far. I like the emphasis on recruiting, which had definitely slipped under Dan. We're doing a whole different podcast at this point. I don't care. Uh, which the emphasis, the recruiting had definitely slipped. Under D'Antonio, after that uh, that Donnie Corley class that didn't really work out for reasons that didn't have a lot to do with what happened on the football field, yeah, you could tell like that 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 kind of uh, that kind of uh, tempered what he thought he could recruit. Um, and I like the I like the emphasis on I think the kids like the emphasis on like what they've been doing on social media. Like I've definitely noticed their social media presence has been like way way, way more vibrant under Mel Tucker than it was under under D'Antonio. And because you are always trying to appeal to 16, 17-year-old kids, and kids love that stuff, like, I, I think that's I think that's going to work out for them. Like, that is that, like, is that an advantage? Like, no, but I think it's cool, and well, I'll take all the little things I can get at this point. Yeah, like, Mel Tucker, like, he definitely has, like, a younger energy to him, which mm-hmm. I think just as far as, like, bringing some energy, you know, into – the uh, the team, you know, which I think it needed because it just kind of seems like they went toward the finish during D'Antonio's last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's that's definitely been good to see. Uh, you know, I have enjoyed, you know, seeing them sort of engage Twitter a bit more. And, uh, you know, we'll see if it carries over. But, you know, I guess you'll, you'll take any, any sign of good news as good news. So, uh, yeah, I have enjoyed seeing that too. Amari Sankofa, thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate it. Let the people know where they can find you, where they can find your work. 
Uh, thank you so much for having me on here, man. Uh, people can follow me on Twitter at my first and last name. That's O-M-A-R-I-S-A-N-K-O-F-A. And you can read all of my content on uh, the Detroit Free Press's website, which is freep.com. You guys need to su- subscribe to the Freep. Uh, I, I have my Freep subscription. It's very nice. I appreciate the app. The app is much better than I thought it would be for for some reason. But uh, you really need to check out what Omar is going to be working on this offseason. I can't wait to see it. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Last Chance. That's at L-A-Z-C-H-A-N-C-E. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. See you.